Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning and welcome to Exceptional Women on Magic 106.7. It's Sue Tab, and I'm excited to introduce our guest today because her story is pretty remarkable. Kate Curran left her job as a corporate attorney to create educational opportunities for children in impoverished sectors of the world. Kate is the founder of School the World. It's an organization she launched after witnessing the dire need for quality education in places like Tanzania, where she learned of 12 school children sharing a single pencil. And of course, this past year, the pandemic creating even more challenges. Kate, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Sue. Well, talk to us first about your decision to leave the corporate world. Was like, did you have this aha moment one day or was it sort of a gradual mind shift? Talk, talk about that that time. It was actually both. It started with a gradual mind shift. You know, I was growing dissatisfied with, I was a lawyer and, you know, I typically felt like I was on the wrong side of every issue. Yeah. And um, when suddenly I lost my brother, my mother, and my father in less than two years, like boom, boom, boom. You're kidding me. Oh my God. No, it was a tough really tough period and I was exhausted and mm-hmm. but mostly my mother's last words my mother was uh, died last and her last words were I've had a great life wow. and I thought so much about that you know she did not have an easy life she lost three children she um, had polio as a child and so she had physical challenges and but she just really felt that way and so I really started to reflect on that what does that mean a great life is what I'm doing now a great life and I want to be able to say that and I had an aha moment where I said what I'm doing right now is not going to get me there right and as soon as I had that as soon as I said that to myself I couldn't even go to work anymore. It became really hard to go to work anymore. So, so you took was, a boom, trip. Was, was, it. was that year-long trip that you took right after your mom passed and you had this sort of awakening? It was after. Well, it took me about six months before I left my job. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a little bit longer than that before I – and I really thought I was just going away for a month to Argentina because it was inexpensive. I could afford a month. It's safe for women to travel by themselves. And But a month turned into six weeks, turned into a year of traveling. 
all over the world. So talk about what you saw on your travels and what sparked this this idea to start um, this organization. Well, I saw I saw many things. I mean, I saw some just beautiful things. The most beautiful place I've ever seen is in Argentina. But I also saw things that were just tough to see. You know, in the beginning, I really wasn't ready to think about it too much, given what I had just been through. But children, there were a lot of children who were begging in the streets of Argentina or um, looking, collecting cardboard, working when they should have been in school and, you know, working. I actually spent a month in Tanzania where I visited a classroom where it was 12 kids sharing two pencils, which is crazy, crazy. And I came home from that and I had a pen in my mailbox with my name on it. It was like a marketing promotional thing. And I was like, oh, my God, this is the kind of thing we just throw away. Right. Yeah, and these kids crazy. would die to have something like that. Oh, my right. God. So right. how did you then to talk a little bit about how you came up with the idea for School of the World and how you got it off the ground? Because it's a pretty big endeavor. Yes. So I, at the end of that, you know, I decided I was taking the whole year for myself. But at the end of the year, I honestly did just had an aha moment. I woke up one morning and said, I can do this. And that this wasn't very well defined right mm-hmm. at that point. I just knew I was going to do something for you know, these really poor kids in developing countries. And I quickly gravitated toward education. I had various people helping me. I actually thought about working in Africa first. I went to Zambia. I visited a community where kids literally walked through crocodile-infested waters to get to school every day. And we were going to build a footbridge. And I wanted the parents to do the work so that we could be sure this was something that they truly wanted, not something that we were imposing and the parents wanted to get paid and I just couldn't do that I understood because foreign aid really creates a lot of the jobs in these places and so I understood but it was really the only way that I could be sure that this was something that would be that would last so I shifted gears and I started looking into Central America where I had done some work with GE they had a joint venture there and um, a bank that was in all the Central American countries and I wrote to the CEO, and he said, this is great, Kate, we'll help you get started and we'll fund your first few projects. Wow. And that made it easy. <laughs> you know, that made it easy to, to start there. It's also cheap, fast, easy to get to. Yes. So from a practical purpose, it made a lot of sense. But, you know, since its inception, I was reading that School of the World has built 106 schools. Take sort of do of a holistic approach. You involve parents, community leaders, talk Talk about that. Sure. We actually start with local government. We want as many people as possible feeling ownership in the success of every school. So we start with local mayors and we almost always say yes, because it's great for them too. Um, right. And then we start with the community and, the, of course, the Ministry of Education as well. But we talk with the community and we say, we want to, we want to partner with you. We'll be here for a minimum of five years. We're not leaving. We, but we need and the unskilled labor. We want you to come to these parent trainings every other week, and we even want you to donate for books. We won't tell you how much, but if uh, you decide amongst yourselves what you want to give, and then the first year we'll give five times as much, and the second year we'll give four times as much. And they they typically give like a dollar, dollar fifty which is a lot of money for them. Sometimes they have to do it in installments Mm -hmm. and they write it up in the village book of act and they have every parent come up and 
sign is their commitment to pay so their children can have books. And only about 70% of them can't sign their own name. And they have to give their, put their thumb in an ink pad and give their thumbprint as their promise to pay. It's, it's really remarkable. That is remarkable. And, mm-hmm, but we want the community to feel that it's their school. You know? And it is because, I mean, it is you're educating, school. you know, kids that are going to be outstanding citizens in, the, in those communities and then go out and do, you know, good work other places as well. But talk about how you uh, how do you raise money other than what you get from governments and from private corporations? Um, I'm, I'm guessing you do you have volunteers? Can people donate? How how do you go about doing well, that? Prior to the pandemic, one of our biggest sources of revenue was um, our service trips. We have had a very significant high school student service program. Okay. Where kids, high school kids, raise the money to build the schools and playgrounds. Wow. Let's say every 25 kids raises the money to build a, a three-classroom school building and a playground. Then they spend the whole week in the community working alongside the parents to finish the build. Um, that was a very significant, and that funds not only the infrastructure, but a big piece of our programming as well. Um, and so that was a big source of revenue, and we hope to start those trips up again in February, God willing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have a number of individuals, you know, who support us. So I started my neighborhood, literally. First my neighborhood, that's how I got started, and then my colleagues, my classmates. I went to Holy Cross and I have tons of classmates who've been super supportive. And people can find us at schoolotheworld.org. They can donate at schoolotheworld.org slash donate. And I mean, I can tell you, for example, $250 will allow a child to continue their education past sixth grade. So a little bit of money can go a long way. Very long way, very far away. Hey, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Exceptional Women on Magic 106.7. I'm Sue Tab, and we are joined today by Kate Curran. Kate left a job as a corporate attorney to start an organization called School the World, their mission to combat extreme poverty through quality education for Central American children in need. Kate and her team have been at it for over a decade, and the difference they have made has literally paved a path out of poverty for so many students and families. But the work is challenging and the last year and a half has proven even more so. Let's get back to our conversation. Let's talk about the pandemic and how that played into what was already a challenging situation. Um, I know you guys developed something in response to the pandemic called 2021 Project Equity. Uh, Tell us a little bit about that. Yes. Well, um, like here, the government's there shifted to online learning Mm -hmm. and devoted most of their energies there first. But these are kids who certainly don't have access to a laptop, to the Internet. They don't have televisions. Some of them don't even have radios. They don't have books in their homes. So these kids were disadvantaged to begin with, and then they were really uniquely disadvantaged by the pandemic and the government's focus on um, online learning, even though actually I think it's only 40% of the population there has access to the Internet. Yeah, the government did eventually do like TV but again, they don't have TVs. And so, and it took them many, many months to deliver printed guides to the kids. Wow. So we right away shifted and said, we, we've got to keep these kids in school. We've got to keep them engaged in learning. And we really are what they have. 
because they really can't count on the government right now. So we did everything we could right away. We started with WhatsApp groups. We did radio programming. We printed our own guides, delivered our own guides. But then this year, we decided to have a very focused effort on trying to get these kids caught up. So Project Equity is really about ameliorating the impact of the pandemic. And we started with their school year started in February. So we started in January with a summer school where we hired the teachers and developed a curriculum and a program, trained the teachers and how to test the kids to kind of evaluate where they are, where they were. That was January. And then in February, we rolled out a tutoring program in it's a phone, primarily a phone-based tutoring program where university students are tutoring these young kids, and they can be on a basic phone. Most families do have at least a basic phone, and I mean they don't always have access to it. If the father is gone, for example, they might not. We might not be able to reach them, but we're reaching as many as as we can. And for areas that don't have connectivity for a cell phone, we're doing a peer-to-peer tutoring program. Mm-hmm. And we have a number of other initiatives, like we have a pilot program where we are giving one tablet to every family in the community. The tablets are inexpensive. They're about $250, but we preload them with books, apps like Khan Academy, and we train the teachers in how to use them, the materials on them to give homework to the kids. We train the parents in how to use them, how to take care of them. And that is going really well. It's really exciting actually it's a very big deal literally like it's a big you know like the tv station comes and the mayor comes and everybody records it when we bring these tablets to the community and when you think about it an entire family like 250 dollars gives them a chance to continue reading continue learning and be engaged in school even while the schools are closed and feel connected with the rest of the world right and linked into that talk a little bit about what I mean, it's been over a decade since you started this. So now you have seen some kids 10 years later and the impact that your efforts and your organization has had on these kids. Talk a little bit about some of the successes. Sure. I was just thinking about um, this little girl, Wendy, the other day. So Wendy was one of our first scholarship recipients. We went to give her a scholarship so she could continue past sixth grade because kids typically don't have a middle school in their community. And it's very hard um, for them to access them, particularly girls. Mm-hmm. And we went to find her, but she had already gone at 12 years old with a friend to Guatemala City, where she found a, a work making tortillas. She was working 16 hours a day oh. for $5 a day. For $5 a day? $5 oh. a day wow. making tortillas, sleeping in the kitchen at night. They gave her a cot to sleep on. She was 12 years old. Wow by herself. We gave her this scholarship to bring her back so she could continue her education, go to seventh grade. Well, now she's a senior in high school. Yeah. And she wants to go to college. She used to want to be a bank teller. Now she wants to go to college. Yeah. <laughs> her dreams just keep getting bigger every time I see her or talk to her. She wants to be a nurse now. And I'm sure that she will find a way to do it. And it yeah. must be really feel good for you to know that you played a role in that. Oh, definitely. And now her her younger siblings, too. I mean, they are also now in middle school. We are supporting them, too. And the father is doing everything he can to feed them. Um, their mother passed away this year. But they, you know, are they've watched the daughter 
and they have become supportive of all of their children staying in school. I feel like the organization, you know, supports the entire family, not just the student, because if that student gets educated, they're better able to um, maybe help their family financially and maybe they're a better role model to the younger ones who see that it, how important education is. And so I feel like it's affecting not just the student, but the whole family. It does definitely affect the whole family without a doubt. In a positive way. What do you hope, um, Kate, in the coming years, like how do you see the organization evolving and growing? Well, this is a very interesting time because we are, our model has had to shift so much because of the pandemic over the last year. But at what we're discovering new things too. Um, so for example, like we started these WhatsApp groups for our girl scholarship recipients too, to try to make sure that they were safe and uh, understood what their options were. Were they at risk of violence or abuse, which happens a lot um, during crisis times for girls. And we, it ended up being like this support group. It ended up being a great source of morale for the girls. We started doing trainings over WhatsApp, and I'm sure now that that will be a, um, a practice that we continue. So there are a number of things like that. And uh, But I, one thing I do see, we this year, for example, went outside of our model where we do all these things in, in the community, and we opened up the teacher training that we were doing virtually to any teacher, and we were able to train more than 2,500 teachers in how to evaluate learning loss and how different techniques that they could use to try to catch up kids quickly. That's you know, that's amazing. so important. So I, I, yeah. we will be looking at a number of our, our um, initiatives, our components of our strategy, and looking for those that lend themselves to bigger scale and impacting more children. We're opening centers where kids, it's like an alternative learning model where for kids who absolutely are going to go to work after sixth grade, they can still go to school one day a week and study independently in between and go all year round and complete their what they call lower secondary education. So we're opening up centers like that in our communities, but then recruiting, attracting kids from all the communities around our community. What would you say, Kate, to people who might be thinking about giving up a job for more of a calling. I, I feel like th- this is not a job for you. It's sort of a, a lifestyle and a calling. Um, yes. But it takes, I mean, you, you've got to take some risks when you when you do something like this and know sort of when it's time to jump. Um, so what advice would you give to people who might be listening saying, yeah, like I'm not really happy. What I'm doing doesn't match what I'm passionate about inside. Um, how can I get more in balance? What would you say to them? I would say I do have, I have no regrets, but it is very difficult. Do you have to take a lot of risks? Mm-hmm. And so you really need to be very clear on what your priorities are, what your values are, and, and stay focused on those things. So, I, you know, I actually did that before I made this decision and money was nowhere near the top for me. And so that made it a lot easier to walk away from the money that I was making. That can and be I, hard, I, though. I mean, yeah. it, it might not have been a prayer for you, but I think for a lot of people, it is tempting to stay, and then, you know, they end up staying for way too long because they're not happy. Right. But if they're making right. good money, it can be really hard to walk away from. But, you know, what I would say is you don't need as much money as you think you do. Good point. I thought I needed so much money. When I left GE, I thought, okay, I, I think, I think, I think I can live on half of what I make right now. 
it would be really hard, but I think I can do it. It would be four years before I ever had a paycheck again. Oh, my gosh. And and I still don't make half of what I was making at right. GE. And I just don't spend as much. Right. You live sim- you, know, you live a more simple life. Yes. And I'm still not, you know, um, fortunately, I have a lot of people <laughs> that support me. My sisters buy me beautiful presents for Christmas, things like that, because right. I still love beautiful things. I'm not, you know... Someone who who doesn't love beautiful things, but um, I realized you really don't need as much as you think you do. We're almost out of time, believe it or not. But I want you to again mention if people are interested in your organization, if they're interested in donating, in volunteering, and in getting involved, and in learning more, tell them how they can do that. You can write to us at info at schoolthaworld dot org. School as a verb. Sometimes people only get school of the world. It's schoolvtheworld.org. And we would love to hear from you. And what is your website, Kate? Schoolvtheworld.org. Okay, that's easy enough. Thank you so much. You're such a stellar example of someone who saw a need, had a vision to help, and put the wheels in motion to actually impact positive social change. So you are one of those women. You are truly exceptional. And we, of course, wish you continued success as you carry out the mission of School the World. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sue, for having me. Thank you. You've been listening to Exceptional Women on Magic 106.7. It is our honor and privilege to shine a light on the change makers and to provide a platform for people who are out doing meaningful work in our communities. Thank you for paying attention, for helping us create engaging programming. We'd love to hear from you. If you know someone who is making a difference, just email us or send us a message on our Magic Facebook page. I'm Sue Tab, and along with my co-host and producer, Kendra Petroni, we'd like to invite you to join us every Sunday morning at 7.30 for another edition of Exceptional Women. Have a great day, everyone.
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.